form of dictatorship. And being in a prison cell, you can see the bars and touch them. The other one is sitting in a prison cell, but you can see the bars. But you can feel free. One of the priests is suffering from his First episode of the Sausage Factory. This is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Will Glow the Wisp by Part Time Indie. Nicholas! Who are you, and what do you do? Hi, my name is Nicholas Krischi, and I'm a part-time indie working on Will Glow the Wisp, and my day job is um, working at a clinical trial company and doing software there. So that's that's great. So you've got this, you, you, you know, this juggling these two things. One's a fantastic job, and that <laughs> one is also a fantastic job, but they all have their own, you know, uh, drivers. One's deeply creative, and one is... Not so. Maybe. I don't know. There's creativity in all our work, I like to think. Yeah, so, it's, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so that's the answer to the first question. And uh, so Nicholas actually reached out to me and said, I'd love to come on our show and talk about my game, Will Glow the Wisp. And I went, okay, let's have a go uh, to see if I like it. Because I have people on about games that I believe in, that I want to share with the world, and I want to talk to the person who made it. Uh, and... Uh, 101 episodes later, here we are with uh, with Nicholas to chat about this extraordinary game that people need to play. Um, I lost a lot of time to this game, and uh, I <laughs> and despite myself, and uh, I, I'm really excited to talk about it. But how did you make your start making games? Because I know it's not your full time job, but whether it's that, we had a lot of sh- uh, guests on the show that this is not their full time gig. So it doesn't matter. The fact is you're making a game, uh, which many others uh, wanted to do. It then look, realized the sheer effort go, <laughs> no, <laughs> best not. I'll just have a little ball bouncing across the screen. And I'll be happy with that. So tell us how to make your start making games. Yeah, so um, I think I started the first um, thing I did is um, in, in, in class in school. I had a QBasic course and then I did some text adventures and I was really frustrated because um, they wouldn't tell me how to do, do stuff or paint stuff on screen. And so I just did a couple of text adventures. And uh, later um, I started using Flash um, a little bit and tried to, to do that, but I I was not really like before I started to work in the in the field I was not really um I did I didn't have really great success because I think I coded really badly my games were always lagging and like I didn't get flash to do what I wanted I tried to do a small mini golf game and it just didn't work at all and then there's actually a huge gap and stuff like um university and <laughs> work and at some point i remember that i wanted to do it because a, a, um, a colleague a working colleague from mine um told me that um about unity and i looked into it and it was really interesting and then i started to um play around a little with it get a little bit more experience and then a little bit later i like maybe two years later actually i um i reduced my hours to um um, work on games a little bit more so I'm currently working for three and a half days and one and a half days I put into the game yeah and I I built one game before for Android which is called for smile it's a small little um, puzzle game but it's like it's really small it was more for me to get used to unity and stuff yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a case out there for people I've said this on the show before and apologies for repeating myself listeners but I love the idea of people making games for the sake of it, and uh, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to make games for profit. Uh, they're, they're a medium. They're, they're a form of entertainment. And uh, fiction, there's a lot of fiction out there that's written just for the sake of it. Some of it, most of it, not very good. But it's there. You know, it's a medium. It's entertainment. It's a form of art. 
and games are a form of art. Let's get onto that argument. It's, the, it's ridiculous. <coughs> the fact that people still argue that is is absurd in of itself. So um, that's more of an interesting conversation rather than whether that. Anyway, yeah. that's in May. So, and then here you are talking about will glow the wisp. Is this your your first sort of foray into big sort of indie stuff? Yes. Yes. <coughs> okay. So, um, as a creator of video games, whether you like it or not, that's what you are now, uh, (laughs) um, what do you find influences you as a creator of things? That's that's pretty much all over the place. It really depends on what I'm doing. I think that... um, like if I'm doing a lot of coding or playing a lot, I'm, I'm usually getting influenced by other games. But if I'm like traveling, because I like to travel a lot as well, um, I get influenced by stuff from travels. Or when I went to Vienna, I saw like a like a really old book, and somebody um, wrote some stuff in in there, and it was really interesting for me to think about if the person actually thought that like I don't know how many years. 200, 400 years later, people will look at this and see what they wrote. And like, I think you get influenced from a lot of places. So I can't really point out to any particular one, but if I had to pick one, it's probably games and other, um, other art forms, maybe like, like paintings and movies and yeah. Yeah. You, you see something at the corner of your eye, a shape of a cloud, a bird, um, you know, someone's suitcase be anything and go look at the way that's moving and sort of like sliding back and forth a bit uh that's interesting i wonder if i could yeah it's, it's all sorts of things you get inspired by um and i just find that sort of it's a, it's a very strange open-ended question uh to ask any creative what i'm trying to tease out of them is that what led you to make the game that we're going to talk about tonight really um so Okay, well, so the the universe as itself <laughs> sounds like uh, yeah, probably. Again, you know, reality itself. Great, that's a good thing to be inspired by because we are all surrounded by it all of the time. Um, so, who do you most admire in the video game industry, and why? That that question is actually pretty hard for me because um, I I don't have um a lot of contacts in the video game industry right now. You don't have to know them. <laughs> yeah. So it, I, I mean, I can like what people say. Like I like Blizzard. Like they do nice stuff. So <laughs> that's another I, statement, I, isn't it? Really, yeah. they do nice stuff. <laughs> it's not really just nice. It's, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, look at Overwatch for pity's sake. Sorry, we don't yeah. really do topical stuff on this show, apart from this section, because you can't help yourself but do topical XX bits in this show. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, Overwatch. They, they're taking a team-based shooter. Uh, a, a genre is pretty much dead, <laughs> unless it's Team Fortress 2, which a game that was in vaporware for decades, if you remember. Uh, and now they go, well, let's do that then. What? You know, so to the point where people were confusing with another game, which is nothing like it, i.e. <laughs> Battleborn. So yes, Blizzard, they 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 deserve the odd nod or two. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Anyone yeah, else? Like um. I, I don't know, like, I saw Indie Games, the movie, the guys, most of them were at least interesting, like, but as I said, I don't have direct um, contact to people, but I enjoy, like, a lot of Indie Games, so I feel like I should mention them, but I, I don't really know them. So. No, I mean, no one knows Phil Fish, I don't think people need to know Phil Fish. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, an in, he's an individual. Yeah. A, I mean, I had this argument. Argument? No, it was argument. Well, someone was lambasting uh, a game, not because of its quality, mm-hmm. but because of the person who made it. They said, oh, the game is great, but this person who made it is a monster and I won't play it. Right? <laughs> but you like the game, right? Yeah? So just like the game. But he is an idiot. I said, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not talking about any specific game. I'm not talking about Fez either, although mm-hmm. I actually adore Fez. I think it's one of my favourite games of all time. But, you know, the person who made it had a bit of an ego. Uh, the site ultimately destroyed him, uh, and he didn't understand that, that it was destroying him. Um, but um, that's, you know, he had to separate art from the artist, in my opinion. 
You know, there's a lot of a lot of art. Say you're watching your film, okay, as you do, and you're sitting there, and what, the editor, the editor of the film, is a complete monster. You find out by some means that you know you love this film, and then you find the editor of the film is a monster. What do you do? Stop watching the film? Say the film's terrible because the editor's a monster? <laughs> no, you don't, do you? It's just you have to. I believe. You know, I'm not saying you're you're great, Nicholas. Don't get me wrong. I, mm-hmm. it's a, nine, nine times out of ten, the the art comes the, the the spirituality, if you will, or the enthusiasm, the beauty of the person is shines through the the medium or the thing you're being entertained by. Whether it's books, um, a painting, a video game, it should shine through. However, sometimes it doesn't quite work, uh, and there's a there's a disconnect. Uh, and, um, for example, the Orson Scott card, he, he's well known for having somewhat reprehensible um, opinions about homosexuality. You know, he's, he's just wrong <laughs> uh, <laughs> about it. Um, I'm, I'm, I take no qualms about it. It's just a fact of life. People, some people are homosexual. That's it, okay? But he, you know, he's, he's has very, very poor views about it. And, yeah, he's written some great science fiction in his time. Uh, really good science fiction, and people actually boycott his work because of his views. Like, well, but it looks good. <laughs> yes, he's a reprehensible individual. Well, I have, no, not him as person, but his views on homosexuality is abhorrent. Absolutely, but unfortunately, you have to separate, and it's a very complex argument. Uh, and I'm not sure why we got this from this, but yeah, you, you just have to sometimes separate. And then, and that's a good case with Phil Fish and Fez. Fez is a fantastic game, but Mr. Fish is, you know, and you know, Jonathan Blow, another, yeah. you know, a person who <laughs> who splits opinion. You have, you know, he he's got the ego the size of Belgium, no uh, question. At least, okay, at least. <laughs> Sorry, I love saying the size of Belgium because you and I know as Europeans, we know how Belgium big, how big he is. <laughs> Because we're Europeans, you know, we 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 joked before the show about you know you, you come from Germany and asked whereabouts where you were, and you know I, I fainted ignorance. It's not true. I knew where that was, <laughs> but well, I did I did it to you know engender some bond between us. But it's um, you know we know how big Belgium is, but most of the world just doesn't really. So I just go well, let's use it as a barometer for size of something. So yes, the, the, the egos do destroy creators. That's, that's the the biggest enemy, in my view, in my experience, and my looking at the world and seeing people behave. It's ego. Ego's the thing that destroys you, and they just don't see it because they're surrounded by people who are constantly massaging it. <laughs> you know, so when you're constantly massaged by people who are who are bringing who are doing massaging the very thing that's killing you, hmm. you know, uh, to the to the detriment of yourself. You can't see that, and it's so obvious. I'm no psychologist, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Blow made uh, The Witness. I love The Witness. With them. Yeah. I, I think it's a fantastic game. Not for everyone. It not not. It is not for everyone. Um, a lot of people get very very frustrated with it, and I'm not because I like to walk away going, I can't solve this right now. I'll come back, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just you know I still haven't finished it. I don't care. I'll just mm. come back to it every now and again and drop in. And similarly with. Um, you know, um, Braid. Braid is a magnificent yeah. game. And it was great to, to chat about. Well, but, yeah, it's uh, really great, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And then, of course, the developers of Super Meat Boy are on that, on that film as well. Yeah. And your game, uh, Will Go the Wisp, definitely influenced by that game. I'm sorry, but there's definite... Yes. You may disagree, <laughs> but there's... It yeah. just, like, it, it spits at you in the face, like... Hi! Oh, yeah, you're that, aren't you? But that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And... Uh, yeah, I, was, I find it absolutely fascinating uh, to see that. So I'm not surprised that you're citing those developers as a huge influence. I think they were certainly on the vanguard of the indie game development scene, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. They were at the, the, the pit, the, the, the point of it. They were definitely charging through Xbox Live Arcade back in 2006, 2007, when that came into bloom. It suddenly went... Here's some weird indie games that no one in their right mind would publish. <laughs> and here they are, everyone on a large platform that everyone dove into. And let's face it, the 360 was a phenomenally successful console. I think more so in the UK and US than in Europe, but you may counter that. Is that true? 
I think the 360 wasn't as popular in continental Europe. It's, it's right, isn't it? I'm I'm not quite sure to be honest, but I'm right. uh, I I didn't play that much to in the 360 times. Like I had a little bit of gap of playing there. Oh I, right, we all have that. I had that gap. Uh, <laughs> I had that gap. I love talking about this. You know, uh, someone asked me, "What's your what's your gestation? What's your evolution of gaming from the start to now?" I mean, beg your pardon. What machines did you own? Uh, from you know from from the start till now, and I went okay. I'll try and write this down. And I did. I wrote it down. And there's this gap. It's a little gap. It's a little weird gap. It happens in the uh, early nineties. The worst time to have a gap, right? <laughs> the worst time. It's not a good time. It's a terrible time to have a gap. But <laughs> I don't know. I got interested interested in other things a little bit, as you do. And uh, yeah, early nineties. Stupid time to have <laughs> uh, I still had my Atari ST at the time, but I didn't really use it. Uh, I just left it and I just walked away for a bit. But yeah, I remember that was my little gap. It didn't last very long, but it was a gap. And I was like, the dumbest time to have <laughs> It was like, any other time then, Chris, but not then. Not, not, not then. Oh, God, never mind. Too late. Because I missed the Mega Drive and the snares. I missed it all. Missed it all. Anyway. So... Uh, great answers to the, 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 you know, the Blizzard and all the you know the, the people in the indie game. Uh, it's a great film. Um, some opinions expressed in there in that film are questionable. Um, some of them a bit <laughs> elitist, but that's what makes the film interesting. You know these views, these misguided views by these creators, these people who make the things that we love so much are flawed, and that's okay because they're just people, just like us. So. Final question in the first half, and you know what this is, which is to miss that because Nicholas is a listener, so he knows what it is. I can't sort of lean on to it. I can't hint at what it is because he knows what's coming. So uh, <laughs> it's almost, you know, he, the only thing he does know what's coming is the questions I have about Will Glow the Wisp. He doesn't know about those. Um, so, Nicholas, what are you playing right now? So oh, I'm... Glow the Wisp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing um like a lot of Rocket League like all the time like um like since a long time. I also play um I started to find out after starting working on Will Glow the Wisp um that I really enjoy um bullet hell games. I I played en- Enter the Gungeon. I have um that is game called? is awesome. Sorry. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's just I played it at PAX Prime last year. Yes, it was. They had a massive screen, 52-inch screen. <laughs> it was far too big for the game, and it didn't matter. And I sat there talking to the developer for quite some time. I've been trying to get him on the show, but it's hard sometimes. I'll need to reach out to them again, because that game is fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, nothing, nothing but love for that game. And Yeah, yeah. good call on, on Enter the Gungeon. It's a fantastic name on its own. <laughs> What's that mean? Play it, and you'll know. Carry on, what else? What other bullet hells? I mean, there's Ikaruga. There's Sturden, Stur- yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, it was in the, in the Humble Bundle, bundle um, a monthly bundle last time. That's a French game. Yeah, yeah I know. It's a nice game, it's really nice. It's, it reminds me a lot of Project X, which is an old Amiga game. I'm not sure if you remember those. No, I, um, no it's sometimes before. I'm thousands of years old. Thousands of years old. Um, and I, and you know, that was kind of during my gap period. No, no, it's, 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 it's a great, I love that. So lefty righty shooty game, isn't it? It is bullet hell, but it is not punishingly difficult. No, it's not as difficult as Enter the Gungeon. I think Enter the Gungeon, it's, it's really difficult to be honest. But in a good way. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, what else? And, um, like, if we continue the bullet hell route. Yeah, um, do it, do it. Cat Girl Without Salad, which was also in the last Humble Bundle. In, it was the Humble exclusive, whatever, I, I don't know. I missing those. I get emails from Humble, Bum, uh, Humble Bundle. I'm like, oh, you should, oh, I should dive into that. The last one I did, believe mm. it or not, was the entire collection of Pathfinder books <laughs> from PDF. <laughs> That's the yeah. last one, because someone said, you, you should get that. Really? Mm. It's, it's D&D 3.5. I know, but really, it's, it's good, though. And it's only like twelve pounds, yeah. which is about fifteen euros, I think. So, uh, and it's like, yeah, it's, uh, okay, fine. <laughs> so I, I got that and downloaded it, but I don't. I'm not a big Pathfinder fan. I prefer other types of RPGs these days. Mm. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, bullet hole games. I used to hate them as a kid. I, the first one I encountered 
was um, Nemesis, um, but it's called Gradius now. You probably know it as Gradius, but it has lots of different names. Well, there's two names, lots of different. Uh, but in Europe, they in Konami, in their infinite wisdom, although they're now scumbags, apparently, we're meant to hate <laughs> Konami. Um, they did actually invent a lot of amazing games, and one of them was on was on the MSX. I had an MSX computer. Like, how was the MSX computer in Germany? I thought it was quite popular. I can't remember. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, start, I started a little bit later, I think. I started yeah, I think with, the, with the NES and then... The NES, oh, there you go. So now I've got... The 133 megahertz PC was my first PC, so... Oh, Pixel 133. Nice. Flew that one, I bet. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Atari, yeah. Yeah. I, my cousin had one. Cool. Okay. So anyway... um Bullet Hell Games, yes, um, they've been around for for decades, but yeah, yeah, I wasn't keen on them. But then eventually, when they balanced them properly, like Ikaruga on the GameCube, that was like the game. Like, oh yeah, I see, I get it. <laughs> and uh, that, by that time, my hand-to-eye coordination has started to fall away, and now it's not <laughs> existent. So yeah, um, I'm more into games like Stellaris now and stuff <laughs> like that, uh, made by your fellow German people, German folk. Um, so. That's, that's a great selection of games. Anything else before we move on yeah. to the second half? Where would I guess, uh, blow the wisp? I guess I have to mention Hearthstone because I I also play it a lot. Like, yeah. like Rocket League and Hearthstone are the things I always play in all the t- not all the time. Like, but it never stops. Like, it's sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But those two, I will always go back to. I don't play um, Rocket League. I have it on my PS4 because they came out we came out for free, but. I never, never really got into it. I've obviously got distracted by other things or just too busy. Uh, I've been wanting to, but the whole idea of driving around in a car hitting a football sounds dull. But it's apparently not dull at all. I need to get into it. Every time I've tried, I'm just <laughs> distracted by something else. Um, but no, and then Hearthstone, kind of a legal requirement on this show that of a developer to admit to playing that. I've found that it's very popular amongst the development community. Don't know why. Might be something to do with the fact that you can pick it up, play it for twenty minutes, and put it down again. I think that might be something to do with it. And also, it's it's available on all devices, isn't it? Yeah. You can have it on your phone. You can have it on a computer, tablet. It's there. I do actually have it, and I got into it a little bit. But I, there's something about me and the CCGs just don't get on. It's mm. just the the hide the idea that you're paying money. Uh, and a digital CCG is even worse because it's not even tangible <laughs> things. It's just code, and these <laughs> codes have different cards are represented by a really pretty card on the screen. But ultimately, it's just code, and you're just manipulating them. And so there's that aspect of it. So I can't get my head around that. But the other aspect of it is the um, the idea that well, I just can't get my uh, an understanding of what's good and uh, bad sort of hand on how to build decks. The deck building thing is 90% of CCGs, but that's the bit I'm rubbish at. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, why would I do that? I've tried it. I've tried to make deck. I mean, I did play the World of Warcraft um, um, collectible card game before they shelved it when Hearthstone came out. And it's exactly the same game. No one knows this, of course, because no one played it. But yeah, the World of Warcraft card game, as was, is exactly the same as Hearthstone. And uh, I tried to make some decks, and it was just terrible. Just, just like, oh, right, okay, you just trample on me because all these decks don't work because none of it. The, the building up combos, doing maths, yeah, can't do it. But no, I enjoy it, but it's just I'm not very good. Uh, um, can't do much in a way of strategy, so to speak. So, enough about other games. Let's talk <laughs> the second half now of the show where we talk in, in depth about Will Glow the Wisp. So, 
Nicholas. First question, the zero question, as you know, <laughs> what is Will Glow the Wiz? Yeah, so, um, my, 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 um, what is it called? Cat Trace, whatever, um, is Will Glow the Wisp is a mix of, um, Super Meat Boy, Flappy Bird, and Asteroid, which I don't know how helpful that is, but like, that's the best I can. No, that's, that's exceedingly helpful. Yeah. No, I couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't do a better job. How else can you describe the weird control system? But yeah. Oh, God. So, <laughs> it is essentially what you just described. It's, uh, it's not just Flappy Bird because it doesn't constantly, it's not an infinite runner. Uh, you do have to navigate your way around levels. We were talking about that now. Um, so it, it's, it's, um, the controls. Let's talk about those. You are a glowing blob. And this glowing <laughs> blob, right, I'm going to describe the controls to the listener now. <laughs> I'm going to, I think I'll do a reasonable job because I've played it long mm-hmm. enough. This glowing blob, um, is attracted to the floor via gravity. Great. Yes. It can move in any direction. However, you need to apply a thrust in order for it to move. In order to, it to apply a thrust, you seem to have to press a button on the controller or your mouse. I've only ever used controller controls. I can't really imagine playing this with mouse and keyboard. Um, <laughs> and I haven't even tried. I'm just like, that would be just end in tears for me, basically. So I'm using the 360 controller. Um, and uh, so you press the button to, and that, and the longer you press the button, the more thrust comes out, so the faster you move. This is generally a bad thing. And uh, unless you really need to dodge past something, and then it's, you just somehow miraculously slow down enough before hitting something else. Uh, <laughs> but the, the faster you go, the bigger the turn arc you have. So what happens here is what I'm trying to describe to you is that you have to be very... It's a bit like, it's a bit like Lunar Lander from many years ago where you had to do thrusting and you're constantly thrusting away from gravity for fear of uh, <laughs> until you hit something. Uh, unless you're trying to land, of course, uh, generally you're trying to avoid everything. And this is what will go the wisp is. It's this extraordinary um, control system where you have to gently sort of move around. It's not, you simply, when you watch it on the screen, watch it in play, um, it looks very peculiar because you think, why are people crashing into everything? It's strange. How hard could this be? <laughs> Can they just move the joystick? Well, yes, insane land, yes. <laughs> but this is insane land. This is, this is the product of a diseased mind. Sorry, Nicholas. So I want to ask you, where on earth did you come up with this? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know. How did um, it evolve? I mean, how did it come yeah. about? Why? Yeah. Why? I, I, I did a prototype that was quite similar from the control scheme. I um. I, I figured I wanted to have something like Flappy Bird was definitely a, a, a thinking and, uh, um, I wanted to have directional control similar to, to like, like where you just thrust and you need to control. Um, but, um, after I did that, um, basically it, it, it just felt, I can't really tell you, I, I tried it once and it felt good and so I continued oh, to work on it. It's sublime. I'm not <laughs> using that word lightly either. It is, it could, everyone listen to the show. You can go download the prototype that's out now. It's fantastic. Go and have a grab. It's just have a go. Just have a go. It's brilliant. But it's just like when you first play, one extraordinary thing I happened to me is like, what happened to me? I happened to me? I did happen to me. Um, what happened to me was as I was trying to move the, 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 the little blob, the glow, the will glow the wisp, I tried to move the little blob. And like, why are you moving? Why are you? Oh, God, stops falling. Oh, and then you press the button. Oh, it thrusts up. Okay, I'll just let go then. Oh, I lost control. If you're not thrusting, and in this, in this game, if you're not applying thrust to the block, it won't move. It won't change direction. It won't do nothing. The only thing it will do is fall to the ground. <laughs> right? Just to yeah. be clear. That's what it does. If you're not doing anything, it will just fall to the ground and die. Um, so I just find it it's, it's an ingenious little control system and the, the game is built around that mm-hmm. so I want to ask about how the levels are designed and the visuals um, this this threw me a lot actually because rather than so you're, you're navigating through mazes for want of a better phrase it's a 2D plane side scrolling 
it, it doesn't scroll in just one direction, it scrolls in all directions, provided you're allowed to move in that direction. And the walls are made up of these, similar to Wool Glow the Wisp actually, but a blue colour typically. And they are moving and shimmering and growing and shrinking. And I just want to ask, why is it that the collision detection isn't as as simple? I'm not saying bad. I'm saying as simple as I was expecting. Let me explain to the audience. Basically, you'll find that your your will go to the wrist will hurtle to the wall, and rather than having seeing an invisible wall that you can't see, you could actually go into the wall slightly, and you can sort of back out without hitting anything if you're quick and you're. And it's basically you only die. Well, will go to the wrist will die if he contacts anything. But these walls aren't solid; they're made up of lots and lots of little glowing blobs that are glowing and, and shrinking and glow, uh, growing and shrinking. Again, could you explain how that came about? Yeah. Um, so basically, um, because I'm I'm on my own, I I try to find um, a look that I can actually do, which I like, I enjoy, and I um, I'm quite familiar with the particle system in Unity, and I also have um, a tool for that. So um, I. I just played around with it, and then it it came. I'm, I found the look that I have right now, and the collision just made sense to me. It was like always. It always feels weird to me if there's like an invisible wall. I, it always feels like a little bit cheated, and so I I didn't want it, the people to just die. And you can even you can dodge some enemies if you go in there, or or some some other stuff. Like my my girlfriend, at some level there, um, you get um. So um, particles are following you, and she actually went into the wall and dodged all the stuff there, and let just the stuff that um, was um, that was following her um, went through the level, and then she could just follow it afterwards. I, I don't know if I explained it good. No, you did. Um, <laughs> what? Don't let, don't get me wrong, listeners. You can't go through the wall. Don't even try. No. <laughs> I did try for a laugh. See, you can't. The maths don't work. The, the patterns don't allow you to do that. But you can hide temporarily. What I've found is it just basically, I cut a corner you know, inadvertently because of the controls are so awesome. And I've cut the corner <laughs> and then suddenly I almost hit something. But just as I approach the wall, the glowing bit suddenly shrinks and then I just nip past. Um, <laughs> it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious to, to, to do that. It's, you feel like a, you know, a world champion of all video games when you do it. And that's that's a real you know, credit to you as a creator to make a game that make you feel make the the player feel like not being punished because this other thing is that although the controls are hard to get over and to comprehend doesn't mean um, that it's a you know it's 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 difficult for its sake you know it's difficult for difficulty's sake it's just different different doesn't mean difficult. Um, I'm going to cite it now, and you'll probably go, Chris, I'm not, I'm, that's it, Chris, we're not doing this show anymore, I'm done. But I'm going to cite Dark Souls. Sorry, but there it is. <laughs> Here's a game. I contest that that game isn't actually difficult. I believe it's simply different. And it requires you to learn and to, to play it and to experience it in its own terms. And I'm sick to tired of commentators describing it as being difficult. It isn't. <laughs> it's different. Just like your game, we'll go the wisp. It's not difficult in the traditional sense. It's simply different. And I got better and better and better at playing it simply by playing it. And that's a credit to you as a creator and also the creators of Dark Souls and those games, is that here's a game that doesn't insult the player's intelligence and assumes that they have some nous, they have some intelligence and ability and can actually get through something once they understand what the game is asking them of them. Do you see? Mm. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It, I, I, I'm still, I'm kind of, um, I got a lot of feedback that people find the game too hard. And so I, I actually um, implemented different characters now to help people get over the, the beginning difficulty. Because I think at the beginning it's really, really difficult because it's so different. I agree that it's not like that difficult once you get the hang of it, but people feel like it's so difficult and that's why I implemented different characters and some of them you can control a little bit better and time moves a little bit slower and 
I think that will be helpful, but I have to see once I publish the version. Yes, you'll, you know, iterative, part of game design. You put it out there, I've got this idea, but I'm brilliant at it. Yes, because you played this all the time, because you made this. And yeah. it's going to get to a point when the game is finally released. It's not quite released yet, everyone, sorry, but we're here at an alpha stage, which makes it all more, more exciting. Is that when it comes out, when it goes, goes for release, there's going to be people that are way better at it than you are. And that's fine. And that's, yeah. you know, when you release any product or any, not product, sorry, any piece of art, it ceases to be yours. <laughs> and that's something that you have to accept. Some people can't accept it. We we're going back to the ego discussion earlier. <laughs> but generally speaking, once you put something out there, it's no longer yours. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, 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 I just found that the whole idea of the walls being a thing rather than just this box which I've been used to for decades, ever since Mario, maybe even earlier than that, Berserk, you know, all those games from years, you know, a wall is a wall, and that's what it is. <laughs> and you can't move through it, you can't get anywhere near it, but you said, well, it's kind of a wall. <laughs> and I love the idea that you said, it's kind of a wall, but not really. <laughs> so let's talk about the, the puzzle element of the game, because I haven't really delved into that, because... As much as the as going around mazes is is fun, um, I want you to talk about how you threw more challenges to the player, and how, how you excuse me, how you've managed to balance that. These challenges are typically uh, orange blobs flying around randomly. <laughs> They're always fun. And just look, the, the individual orange blobs they just fly in one typically in one orthogonal direction. Typically, unless to lay of the game. And then there's another one where there's just orange blocks floating left and right, which also morph and change and have trails behind them as well, which, you know, you have to be careful about when you go past those because that's quite challenging. How have you found designing those? Yeah, and once the um, the base gameplay was in, I um, thought about how you can do um, different kinds of obstacles, basically. And like the the first idea I always had was like these big um, orange um, blocks, basically that just move. Um, that's like I think influenced from many like platformer games. It's basically a platform, but you cannot touch it. Like a platform in Mario, it's just the reversed. The reverse thing, you know, the one time you have to hit it, and this time you, you are not allowed to hit it. And, yeah, so that was that. And the other thing with the, 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 the blocks that are just dropping down, um, I don't know, like that, um, that came just like, I, I, I figured first that the, the walls on the, um, are just falling apart. Um, but, and I, at first I even had them, um, the same color as the walls, but people were really confused with that because if you flew and then you were, um, too close to a, to a wall or to the, um, ceiling, um, and stuff would f fall out and you don't know, like, if it has the same color, um, they would just get hit. And so I changed the color so that people can see that it's not part of the wall. See? Bit of, like, feedback from the player source, like, that's great that you've got the walls now moving, but I can't even tell the difference between a wall and a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, that's that's what I like to get out of developers. Like, why did they make them orange? Because you can see them then. <laughs> and they do hurtle around at quite a speed, some of them. Some of them not so. And the, the standard rules that uh, I learned from was a very young age is that you move the jump just as the thing is in your way. So by the time you get there... <laughs> It's gone. Mm. Uh, that's typically how I do it. Because <laughs> you find that the thing's moving too slow for that to work. But anyway, you know, you just have to time it just right. And uh, with the constant falling of gravity and moving, it's just, mm. it, it's, it's, it's quite a challenge to say the least. But once you get into the rhythm of the game, yes, Will, Will Glow the Wisp is, does have a rhythm to it. Definitely does. <laughs> and I know right now you've got some Creative Commons music in, in the game. Which we've played throughout the show. You listened to the show now. You probably heard mm -hmm. just in the middle half of the show. You heard a, a bit of burst that's in there. But you definitely got evocative of a certain music that seems to be trying to calming the player down. <laughs> um, I'm assuming you're going to be commissioning some music for, for the game. 
Yeah, I have to see. Like, this is my first re-release, so um, I, I'm not quite sure how I'm doing the the entire music, but probably I will commission some music. Yes. Yeah, it's because um, uh, the the theme, the tunes you've got in there right now, although they're almost placeholders, really do a great job of uh, um, in making sure that the player isn't too punished and frustrated with how they <laughs> get through. It's good stuff. I I enjoy it immensely. Anyway, um, so. There's one final question for you, and it's a bit open-ended, and I hesitate to ask it, but because of the nature of the game, I'm going to ask it. What measures are you doing? What aspect of the development are you working on to make sure that you get the balance between uh, punishing sort of difficulty versus reward? Yeah, so I actually spent a lot of time in the past um, couple of months even um, for this, um, because um, I got a lot of feedback that the game is too hard for people and a lot of people who quit too early. Like, I think even you didn't see the... There's another movement mechanic into the game, but it comes later. It does. I haven't got that far. I'm yeah. <laughs> rubbish at it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I, I've got a lot of games on my plate, and I just dive on to Stellaris when <laughs> just like, and want to calm down a bit, because I'll, oh, I'll just, just wipe out a civilization, I'll be fine. But... <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I, I, yes. So but, it does yeah. expand into other things. Guess, mm, but yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. What I wanted to say is like the um, I think like the the biggest mistake I did for the for this version for the current version maybe once the um this episode is released I even have a new version so it might not apply to this anymore. But um, the version we are talking about has um, I think I um t- do too many new things um. Um, too quickly. So I, what I should do, I think, is um, giving people more time to play with what they already know. Because like I, I always will do new stuff in every level right now, and I think that's not a good. That's not good for. No, you need to variation on the theme a bit. Um, yeah. And uh, um, I mean, a good game I'd recommend to learn that from is a game called Binaries, which mm-hmm. is basically you controlling two two shapes or two think two objects. Mm-hmm. At the same time, and uh, it, uh, it's quite hard to get over, but it does a good job of teaching concepts over and over again until the, mm-hmm. the, the game, the, the player understands those concepts, then moves on to the next one, the mm-hmm. next one. But it does, yes, the evolution of uh, understanding how this, how certain mechanics work, is you know, uh, there's all very well accepting the player's got some intelligence, but on the second half or the other half of that is they need to have some skill. Yeah, and if you keep on throwing more and more new stuff at them, they don't hone their skills and the stuff they just learn, so they don't have the skill set in order to progress, and they get frustrated. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing I did. So, or I'm currently working on is that um, you you basically um, get to play a little bit more with the stuff you already learned. And um, what I also did, what I already mentioned, is I have now multiple characters, and there will be unlocks later as well. So maybe you um, have a hard time finishing a level, then you can just switch. Like the three basic characters, characters will basically represent the three difficulties we are all known to, like hard, medium, medium, easy. But um, then later there will be other characters which will do more interesting things. But um, maybe uh, maybe you will find some characters more easy for a certain level, and so you can basically take this character and just to get through the level maybe. So that's my basic idea, but I'm, I will have to see what people will um, say about this. How long gestation period do you see will go the wisp? In other words, I'm asking, when's it going to be finished, do you think? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not easy for me to say, but I, right. I, I'm hoping I'm finishing um, this year still. Um, the thing is, though, what I heard is that it would not be um, really intelligent of, uh, for me to release the game um, in the um, December, like because all the AAA studios will release their big games, and so maybe I will look at the release like after the after the um, Christmas. What is it called? Christmas holidays. Yeah, the the, the Christmas um, New Year. I think yeah. New Year is very very good. Um, mm. There's a couple of reasons for that. Um, there's sales on Steam during that time, and they just get swamped, and you can't. Mm. You'll never get, you know, you never get the attention it yeah. deserves. But if you pop it down on like mid-January, 
in the midst yeah. of the winter when people look it out and like, oh look, it's snowing, hooray! <laughs> and then they they realise that you know they can't go outside. And there's your game, we'll blow the wisp, and <laughs> um, people trying to figure out how why is the gravity? Oh God! And it, but, you know, it's 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 a beautiful thing. Uh, and I think yes, I would personally aim for that for what it's worth. <laughs> um, but no, from what I've played of it. It's more than promising. This is a great game. I'm really looking forward to it finishing. But, um, yeah, I mean, is it... So have you you built it using Unity and C-sharp, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Because you have to have those two things in order to get the most out of Unity, is that right? Well, I, I don't know. I never try to use it with um, JavaScript or with what, Boo, whatever right. their language is called. But I think it's like, it doesn't really... I don't know if there's a huge difference other than the syntax. I think it's all the same. Yeah, but uh, understand that you need to use C sharp as well. Is that true? I'm using it, so yes, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a form of C, but developed by Microsoft. So there's certain yeah. aspects of it that are somewhat different to C plus plus. But let's not go there because you know listeners don't want to hear about coding <laughs> um, because you know we all know computers are but a series of switches. <laughs> I haven't said that in a while, have I, listeners? No. See, look, there you go. Have a drink now. There you go. Well done, Nicholas. It's been fantastic having you on the show. I really uh, can hear the enthusiasm in your voice, and you're excited about unleashing Will Glow the Wisp out into the world. And I wish you the very, very best of luck with it. Yeah, thanks a lot, and thanks um, so much for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. And if anyone wants to check out my game, they can go to www.parttimeindie.com and then just go to games, and you will find everything there. Yes, and we'll link it on the show notes as well. So, yay! Great. So, Nicholas, thank you very, very much. Yeah, thanks again. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the stablemate podcast shall we say of spong.com bye